the book of Jonah. If you, if you have your Bible, turn there with us. We're going to walk through Jonah. If, if you need a Bible, there's a pew Bible there. Um, please, uh, uh, Jonah is on page 773 in my Bible. If you need to look at the table of contents, do not, never be ashamed of looking at the table of contents. It's more important that you find where we are than you spend the next hour trying to, trying to find where we are. Just look at it. I mean, it's tucked back there. It's some of those books back there, Obadiah and the like, if you skip two pages, you just skip that whole book. You can spend the next week looking for Obadiah. Pass back and forth over and over and over again. I heard one pastor say, Jonah's back there with all those uh, uh, books of the Bible that sound like Star Wars characters. But uh, I'm not sure if that was reverent or not, but I repeated it. So uh, forgive me if that was irreverent, but I laughed at that when I heard it. So, uh, But uh, Jonah, the book of Jonah... You've got Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah. I don't know if those help you, but it's back there right tucked in the middle of there. And, and we're going to look at Jonah. Uh, Jonah is a difficult book to preach, and, and here's why. I, I would bet most of us here today are so familiar with this book that we think we've got it figured out. You think you've got it figured out. I, I know that book. Chris, what are you possibly going to say to me over the next, I don't know, six, eight weeks that I don't already know about Jonah? And from that standpoint, it, it is difficult to preach. Even myself, I, I've been reading this book and, and looking at it and looking at it and looking at it for probably the past month. And, and God is just showing me things there that I think we've oversimplified the book in some ways. I think we've confused the book. I, I think when we come to this book, we think, I got that. It's a man and a fish. And, you know, we get hung up on the fish and we get hung up on Jonah. We, we want to debate whether a fish could actually have swallowed Jonah. Let me tell you, a fish swallowing Jonah is not even the most difficult thing to grasp that's in this book of the Bible. That's not even the hardest truth. If you have a hard time with Jonah being in the welly of a belly, the welly of a bale, the belly of a... Is, is that, that's Portuguese. I've been speaking Portuguese for the last nine days. Forgive me. I'm telling you. I, I was praying this morning. I said, Lord, I feel that way where I'm going to have to apologize after this service for saying something I shouldn't have said. It just... My mind is swirling from this mission strip. But this is not even the hardest thing in the Bible to believe. It's, it, Jonah being in the belly of a whale is not a big deal to me. If I believe Genesis 1-1, that God spoke everything into existence, Him putting Jonah in the belly of a whale is not a big deal. And by the way, you go over to Matthew, and Jesus used this as an illustration of Him going into the earth for three days and would come out alive, resurrected, sits at the right hand of the Father. That's a bigger deal than Jonah being in a whale. If we get hung up here, we got big problems. And we, we come to that and we just kind of doze through it. Oh, it's, it's Jonah and a whale. And yeah, that's a really good story. It's a cute story. If it's true, it's true. If it's not, it's not. It matters whether this is true or not. Jesus Himself spoke to it multiple times. It's true. It better be true or Jesus has seriously misled. And if I asked you right now, what is this story about? How would you answer? Just in your own mind, how would you answer? Some would say it's about Jonah. Some of us would say, well, it, it's a fish tale. 
Some would say, well, it's a book on evangelism. Well, well, this story is not a book. It's not a story about Jonah. It's not a story about a whale. It has a lot to do about evangelism, but that's not the point. This book, and what I want us to see time and time again, God is opening up and revealing His heart in a way that they had never, ever known before. The, the story of Jonah is a picture of the heart of God. It is a picture of the mission of God. What We'll learn it over the next few weeks. What God revealed to Jonah blew his mind. It was a revelation of God that, they, that the Jews had never seen before. Up until that point, he was a Jew's only God in a sense. He set aside the Jews and he said, you live like this and other people will be attracted. For the very first time, he's saying, no, go, go after the Gentiles. Go after the Gentiles. Not just any Gentiles. Go after the Assyrians who harshly pursued and persecuted and hated the Jews. Hated them. He says, go after them. Go get them, Jonah. Go call on them to repent. This is a, this is a picture of the heart of God. It's the mission of God. He says, hey, go to the Gentiles and call for them to repent. Tell, tell them they must repent. And Jonah doesn't want to go. Jonah thinks, hey, I can come to the point where I'll pick and choose who I show mercy to. I'll pick and choose who I show grace to. I'll pick and choose myself who's worthy of receiving God's grace and who's not. The reality is, is we can come to that place too. We forget that we were far off at one point if you're here and are a believer in Jesus Christ, but yet you were drawn near by the grace of God, and God says, you go do likewise to everyone else. We, we forget that we were beggars, and now we're adopted children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but we forget that we were once beggars. We begin to be arrogant and prideful and think, oh, I, God was smart to save me. No. This is a picture of the heart of God. And, and the more I studied this book, and I've shared it a few times, the more I studied this book, unfortunately, the more I see myself. And the problem is, I don't see myself in the heart of God. I see myself in the heart of Jonah. The more I study this book, I am Jonah. That, that's hard. That, I'm Jonah. I come to the Word of God and I pick and choose sometimes what I want to make a big deal about and what I don't want to make a big deal about. The verses that are easy, I make a big deal about them. The ones that are hard, we kind of set those aside and just kind of excuse those away and hope nobody comes to those passages. The people that I really like, I'm all for. The people that I don't like, certainly God wouldn't like them because I don't like them. And And... We're going to look at it over the next few weeks. We're only looking at verse 1 today. And over the next coming weeks, we're going to look at the reality is that there's an idolatry. There's a form of idolatry that's alive and well today in our churches where we make, we make God out to be who and what and like we want Him to be regardless of what the Scriptures say to be. And the reality is, is we end up forming a God that looks like ourselves. We end up worshiping ourselves. He likes who we like. He doesn't like who we don't like. He likes the things that we do. He doesn't like the things that other people do. He's okay with the things I struggle with, but the things that you struggle with, He's real hard on. 
The things that I don't struggle with at all, he's okay with me browbeating other people about those, but the sins that I struggle with, you don't judge me. That's idolatry. That's forming a God in our minds that's not a God that's revealed in the Bible. That's idolatry. We have, no, we have no means of thinking of God except for how He has revealed Himself to be. And, and Jonah comes to a point where there's a revelation of God here. God reveals Himself in a way that Jonah's not comfortable with. Jonah is shocked and he does not respond very well to it. Some of us may have come to the same point. I will share with you in a minute. I came to that point on this trip. There is not a single day gone by that I have not wept and wept and wept over my own situation, but just over the situation of others since we've been on the Amazon trip. Every single day. Hardly, hardly there's come a time where I've told somebody about the trip where I have not wept. Because not, not of all this other, just because of learning about myself. Learning about myself. And in seeing God that may be different, may be bigger, may be more awesome than you ever thought He could be. That maybe He cares for people that you never thought He could care about. Maybe He loves people that maybe you thought He couldn't love. And, and maybe you're not quite where you think you are in your walk with the Lord. How about that? And, and this book is a picture of us. This is a picture of our church it is a picture of Christianity as a whole. It is a picture of how we struggle to take God for who He is and who the Bible reveals Him to be instead of trying to make Him out to be something He's not. An Americanized Christianity that does not transfer to the rest of the world. Does not transfer. It's very easy to serve Him here. Instead of simply allowing Him to be who He has revealed Himself to be, we try to make Him out to be something that He's not. And when we're faced with something we don't like about God, we just think we can ignore it and not make a big deal about it and run the opposite way, just like Jonah did. And the question, the question that I want to ask over and over as we study this book is, will you embrace the heart of God? Will you embrace the heart of God? Will you take what is revealed about God and worship Him for who He really is? regardless of how uncomfortable that makes you, regardless of what that confronts you with in your own life, regardless of what sin He may, put on, may, may touch in your life, or an attitude that you may have that's not biblical. Maybe there's somebody here that, is, that, that just doesn't believe there are certain people in their life because of what they've done. They, they do not deserve grace. They absolutely don't deserve grace, but neither did you. Neither did you. None of us are worthy of God's grace, and yet He showed grace. You know what He says to us? You go do likewise. Go do likewise. G. Campbell Morgan said the following, Men have spent so much time focusing on the great fish that they have missed the great God. That is revealed in the book of Jonah. Spent so much time arguing and debating the fish that we've missed the God. God is the main character of this study, not Jonah, not the whale. We are going to learn about God here. And every turn, at every turn, you see Jonah's heart compared to God's heart. 
That's the contrast of this story. You see a picture of what Jonah's heart looks like, and Jonah is representative of the Jews. He's representative of you of me. And then over here, you see that contrasted to God's heart. We see Jonah for who he is, and he's held up to God in comparison. And unfortunately, they're not alike. And unfortunately, they're not alike in my life as well. So let's, let's dig in just for one verse. You say, how are we going to spend... Uh, we'll try. One verse. The, the word, Jonah 1.1. I hope you're there. Jonah 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... We'll stop there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let that sink in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. If we're not careful, we skip right over that verse and we hurry to rest this story without letting that sink in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And, and you see it on your handout there, your, your notes, your study guide there. We serve a God, this tells me this, we serve a God who wants to be known and who reveals himself. We serve a God who wants to be known and reveals himself. The question is, what will you choose to do with that revelation? That's the question on the table. What will you choose to do with the revelation of God? How will you respond? And the amazing reality is that right off the bat, God wants to be known. He wants us to know Him. He wants a relationship. He desires a relationship. You, you see here his desires, his heart, his longings, his nature. God has revealed himself and wants to be known by his creation. That phrase, the word of the Lord, came, that is used 85 times in the Old Testament. Many, many books begin with that phrase or something very much like it. The, the point is, God is about to say something. God is about to reveal himself with a spoken word to a prophet. And, and, and you see it a lot in the prophets. That was the job of the prophet, to take the word of the Lord and take it to the people. The revelation of God, they were to take it to the people to help them to understand who God was, what He desired, what He commanded. They had nothing to say other than that which God had said. That was their whole existence, to take the word of the Lord to the people. They depended on the word of God. They had nothing other than the word of God to say. It brought authority, it brought direction, it brought, it brought submission. And, and when the Lord speaks, here's the deal, we don't have a choice any longer how to think or what to think or what to pursue. When He speaks on something, that's it. It's done. Now, it's, not, it's not meant to be discussed, it's not meant to be debated, it's not meant to be picked at, it's meant to be obeyed. God wants to be known and has revealed Himself. And there is a God, please hear this, you see it. There is a God that we serve, the God of this Bible that wants you to know Him and He has revealed Himself. What will you do with that revelation? And biblically, there are two ways, two ways that God has revealed Himself. The first way is generally. You see that in Psalm 19. It says that the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the works of of his hands, Psalm 19, 1 through about 6. God has generally revealed himself in nature. Turn with me, it'll be on the board here, Romans 1. Another great passage, 
Psalm 19, Romans 1, talking about the, the general revelation of God. I'll read verses 18 through 20 in Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God, listen to this, is made evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. It goes on to say, even though they knew God, they chose not to worship God, and they exchanged the image of the real God for the image of the created God. God has revealed Himself. And He has done so through what He created. Creation cries out, there is a God. Now, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I grapple with that verse 20 so that they are without excuse. I grapple with that. But whatever, whatever, whatever degree God has revealed Himself in nature, it's sufficient to know there is a God. But, but not only generally, because see, you don't get saved by looking out at creation. God has also revealed Himself specially. Specially. General revelation will only take us so far. You, you're not saved through general revelation. It tells you that there is a God. It reveals very much about God, but it, but it does have its limits. It doesn't teach you about Jesus Christ. And guess what? God sent His God revealed Himself specially through Jesus Christ. Look with me at John 1, 14 through 18. I'll read them and they'll, they'll come up on the board. John 1, 14-18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. I love that verse. You will never exhaust God's grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. You want to know what God looks like? Look to Jesus. You know what the Father is like? Study the Son. Jesus Christ has fully revealed the Father to us what He wants us to know about Him. Is there more to learn? Sure, we'll spend the rest of eternity learning about the great God we serve. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more exceedingly abundant anything we ever ask or think, no matter how lofty or how grand your vision is of God, He's bigger. No matter what you think He's capable to do, He can do more. That's the God we serve. And we learn about God through Jesus Christ, whom He sent. Jesus came to this earth as the Word of God, an invisible expression. How do I get these invisible thoughts out into the public? Well, I speak a word. God who is invisible sent the Word, His Son, to explain Him. The very words of Jesus were written down by the apostles in what we call the Bible. Therefore, listen to me, we have the Word of God. We have all authority, everything we need. First Peter says, seeing that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We were not left as orphans. It's here. Everything we need. Look at, look at Hebrews 1. 
Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Okay, in the past He spoke through the prophets. Listen to verse 2. In these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. And He, being Jesus, is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and holds up everything by the power of His Word. The exact representation. God has spoken to us fully, finally, and sufficiently through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the apostles recorded it in the Word. Our written Word finds its source in Jesus Christ, who was the Word of God. Full authority. Full sufficiency. It's not to be judged. It's not to be weighed. It's not to be bent. It's not to be twisted. It's not to be discussed. In a, in, a, in, a, in a judgmental way, it's not to be contemplated. It's to be obeyed. To be obeyed. We don't stand over the Word in judgment. We stand under the Word in submission. It's not my job to judge this Word. It's my job through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me to obey this Word and to live it out. The, the, when, when it says the Word of the Lord came, it was not a suggestion. It was not, hey, Jonah... You ever thought about the Ninevites? You know, one day you ought to, if you feel like it, if you got time, you ought to think about going over there and preaching repentance to them. Wasn't a suggestion. He's saying, this is my heart. Jonah, go do it. Go do it. He's revealing himself. The, the word, these very words are going to describe the heart of an unchanging, perfect God who seeks a relationship with His creatures on His terms. On His terms. And basically what He's saying to the Jews and to us, hey, if you're going to represent me, represent me accurately. Here's how I am. Here's who I am. Leviticus 11.44, Be holy, He says. Well, guess what? In 1 Peter 1.15, He says, Be holy, for I am holy. That's the point. If you're going to represent me, which is your, your responsibility, represent me right. So I'll reveal myself. I'm going to show you who I am. And the fact that God sent Jesus into the world, the fact that we have this Bible, testifies and teaches us the reality that God seeks a relationship with you and with me. He seeks a relationship. It's a relationship. And the reality is that we can sit here today and make the same statement that Jonah made. The word of the Lord has come to you fill in the blank. And the question is, how will you respond? We have to believe what God has revealed about Himself. No one can tell you anything about God other than that which God has revealed about Himself. John 1, no one has seen Him at any time except the one that was in His bosom, Jesus. He has revealed Him. We, we don't have the freedom to think about God however we want. We don't have the freedom to create a God in our mind that fits the way we think He should be. No, we believe Him and worship Him the way He has revealed Himself to be. And that is where Jonah faltered, and that is where you and I falter. The, rea the scary reality is because of sin, we can take this Word and we can just ignore it and run. 
The King of kings, Lord of lords, has given you a word. He has, he has written a word to you. He has spoken a word to you through this word. And the reality is that we can ignore it. We can treat it as if it was just not a big deal. And Jonah was not willing to accept the revelation of God that was shown to him. He was not willing to accept it. And he ran. He thought he knew better. But, but let's bring it down to our level. What about you? What about me? How, how do you respond to the Word of God? Do you respond with indifference? Do you respond with judgment? Do you respond with a casualness? Well, if I get to it today, I'll get to it. If I don't, oh well, it don't matter. If I, let me read what it says. And if I like what it says, I'll do it. If I don't like what it says, eh. we come to God's Word that way. Let's, let's just wait and see. Let me see what it says. Let me see how I'm feeling about it. Or do you come to the Word expecting and wanting to obey it no matter what it says? Is that your heart? Do you come with a heart that says, I want to obey? Teach me, Lord, to obey. Teach me to take your heart into my life through the power of the Spirit. You go to Jeremiah, you go to Ezekiel, what does he say there? He says, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, I'll give you a new heart. The problem with you and the problem with me is, is not my behavior. Our problem is our heart. It's a heart issue. And out of that bad heart comes all signs of crazy behaviors that we're ashamed of. But it all boils down to a heart issue. And that's what God is trying to change. He says, I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to change your heart. Every parent, every parent, I want to illustrate it with this. Every single parent in this room has been here. And if you haven't, don't tell me because you'll discourage me because you're a better parent than I am. Just keep your mouth shut if you've never been here. You, 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 you ask your child to do something. Hey, Bradley, Sarah, I need you to do this. What's their response? Why? 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 Anybody? Raise your hand as a parent. You ever ask your child to do something and they want to know why? Yeah. What, what is your response? What? Because I said so. Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all, some of y'all were like, "Let me edit this real quick." Because I said so. That's what I. Let me give you the church answer. Because I said so. But what are you saying to your child? Hey, I don't need to give you a reason. My word carries authority. My word carries weight. My word. I have responsibility for you. I'm gonna take care of you. You do it because I told you to do it. That's all you need to know, Bradley. Your daddy has spoken, and out of a relationship with you, you obey it, son. All the time, trust that I love you. There's a relationship there. But guess what? I told you to do it because I love you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to keep you from something. Karen and I were having this conversation yesterday. It overwhelms me to think of the, the ways that Satan is attacking our children. Attack... Elementary kids addicted to pornography. Elementary kids. It's everywhere, guys. If we don't heed this word, if we come to this word casual, if we come to this word one, just like, wait, let me see. I'm telling you, Satan is going to win. And I'm teaching Bradley, through his obedience to me, how to respond to God. If God says something, is it 
Up for debate? No, it's not up for debate, son. It's not up for debate. And essentially you're saying, look, the, the, word, of the, the word of mom and dad came to Bradley and you're going to do it. You're going to do it, son. But, but, but how much more with God? Another place we've all been is, is where you, you tell your child, hey, Sarah, come here. And they do, ex- or do this, and they do the exact opposite of what you say. Exact opposite of what you say. It was like I was in Amazon speaking Portuguese or something, and I said the wrong, which did happen. I said some things, they're like, Chris, yeah, you, you got two, yeah, no, I took about seven, four years of Spanish. I thought Spanish and Portuguese were more similar. I said some stuff, they're like, Chris, you can't say that down here. All right, I'll stick to English. But they'll do opposite. Your kids do opposite. And I don't know about you, but in my house, that is do not pass go, do not collect your $200. We're going straight to spanking if you do that. That is unacceptable. And that's exactly what Jonah does. They, he does the exact opposite. He could not have run further. He could not have done the more opposite of what God said to do. But I'm teaching my children to value authority, to submit to authority. Ultimately, what I'm teaching them is to value the Word of God. I have responsibility for you. God has given me responsibility. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents. I'm trying to lead you to the cross, Bradley and Sarah. God, through His Word, is trying to lead you to the cross. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. The question becomes, do you value the Word of God? Do you treasure the Word of God? Do you ascribe to this Word the weight and the glory and the honor of what it is worthy of? The Word of the Lord has come to you, believer. Even non-believer. It's come. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words became, became food and I ate them. They became a delight to my soul. There's a process of, of learning an appetite for this word. Of gaining a delight and a taste for this word. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How we survive is through the word of God. That's our food. It's our sustenance. It is, it is essential and it is irreplaceable to us. And it is God inviting us into an intimate, an intimate, not just any relationship, an intimate relationship with Himself, and He does it through His Word. The, the, the only way we are going to draw close to God is through a study and a meditation and praying through His Word. Through His Word. He, and he wants, to know, he wants us to know Him. He wants us to know His heart. But He wants us to act upon it. He wants us to take what we've been given through Jesus Christ and go give it to others. Go share it with others. And we see this in Jonah. We see this in the fact that God revealed Himself through a command. God revealed Himself through a command. He was saying, you want to know my heart? I'm going to show you my heart, but I'm going to do it through a command. And and here's what that teaches us. God's commands are an overflow of His character. God's commands to us reveal His character. They reveal His heart. It's not a random list of do's and don'ts. 
He is revealing Himself through His commands. If He says go, it's a reflection of His character and His desires. If He says flee, it's a reflection of His character and His desires. His commands reveal His character. His commands will always be perfectly aligned with His character. And that is a distinction that is, that is key. When you come to a command in Scripture, the question is this, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about God? Because that is very different than how you and I tend to respond. When we come to a command in Scripture, what is our first question? What does this mean about me? We're thinking about ourselves first. The reality is we need to think about God first. What does this teach me about God and His character? It's not how does this impact me. The focus is on God. And we cannot approach this trying to make ourselves the primary character, the primary person that, that this is dealing with. No, it is about God. The Bible is about God. It is about God and His character. This book, Jonah, is about God and His character being shown to a lost world. He is saying, take the gospel, take my love to the Ninevites. Jonah, your job as a prophet is to make much of God. Yours and my job is to make much of God. Our primary responsibility is to make much of God. The last study, series on the, the will of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. He is the primary, central character. And the book starts out, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's all we need to know. Right there, everything else that we see in this book has authority, it has validity, it has necessity. Right there, it sums up everything. And what we will see is that Jonah did not obey and it had disastrous consequences on those around him. And we will look at it next week. But your sin and my sin does not only affect you and me. It affects every single person around us. Your refusal to adhere the Word of God, your refusal to receive the Word of God, affects not only you, but it affects every single person around you. Dad, if you refuse to obey the Word of God, your family is going to pay the price. Mom, you refuse to heed the Word of God, your family is going to pay the price. Your co-workers are going to pay the price. Your friends are going to pay the price. And you see that in Jonah. The consequences of his sin were far-reaching. And when we refuse to come to this Word with a spirit of submission and a spirit of wanting to see God do something in our life and wanting to obey, we not only suffer, but those around us suffer. And I guarantee you every single person in here could give a testimony where they paid the price for someone else's sin. I can name an infinite amount of families right now who are paying the price for dad's sin or mom's sin. It's not just you and it's not just me. When we neglect to heed this word, there are consequences. And the same command that Jonah received, we have received. Go and preach the gospel. Go and tell the world about the good news of the gospel. That's exactly the command that Jonah received. That's exactly the command that we receive. And the reality is, the gospel is our everything. It's our everything. And that's, that, that's, what, that's what God just reinforced to me this past week on this Amazon trip. And I gave myself a pep talk this morning to not get emotional about it, so I'm going to do my best. 
and 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 you know I, I'm trying to use Facebook and these things. I've been walking through First Corinthians in my own quiet times, and I'm trying to post you know thoughts there. If you want to study First Corinthians with me, and and uh, you can there on Facebook. I'm trying to use it for good, but I, I, I'm going to post a little snippet of the sermon each week to just kind of give you a taste and prepare your hearts and just do some things. But the, the Amazon trip really it really messed me up in a lot of ways. I was pretty comfortable. I was pretty okay with where I was, where I was walking, the speed at which I was walking. I was pretty comfortable. And I I have never ever in my life, ashamedly so, ashamedly I will tell you, I've never ever in my life sensed an urgency for the Gospel like I do today. An urgency for taking this Word and getting it into our hearts in huge chunks. Because this Word is really all that matters. I mean, Joel, Joel and I sat there every afternoon with these men for hours and taught them the Bible. And they grilled, one, one village we went to, we just said, look, ask me anything you want. And this is a dangerous question to ask, but ask me anything you want in the Bible, and I'll try to show you what the Bible says. I'm not taking a shot at other religions, but Catholicism rules down there. They own the land, and they call all the shots. They have to okay whether you come onto the village or not. They have to okay what you do. One of the villages, they finally told them they can come. They said, we can come. This is what they told the people. Take everything they give you, but don't listen to a word they say about the Bible. That was the priest. And these guys, what struck me was the urgency of the gospel. We started talking about baptism. They were grilling me about baptism. Lord's Supper, all that thing. It went into all how we're baptized, why we're baptized, who gets baptized, all that. And I'm just showing them in the Bible. Uh, and, and Joel is just popping. We're popping off verses. They're just coming to our head. Because we didn't really have our Bibles with us. It was just an impromptu thing. And... That's probably a good idea, teaching the Bible. You might want to bring your Bible next time. But we were, it just, it just happened. And, and listen to this. This is, this, is, this is what struck me. And this question has haunted me. I, I, I literally have woken up in the middle of the night thinking about this question. This man says to me, looks me dead in the eye and said, we're talking about infant baptism and who to get baptized and all that. And very contrary to what they have been told by the priests. Let me just, very contrary. This man looks at me and he says, I, I, I see where the Bible says that and I, and I see what you're saying is true. Really for the first time he had saw what the Bible said. And he looks at me right in the eye and he says, if I obey this and I don't allow the priest to baptize my infant son and he dies, what's going to happen to my son? What's going to happen to my son? See, theology was real. This is the man that says, "Oh, I, I get it, Chris. Help me count the costs. I, I get what the Bible says. I see it. Help me count the costs, Chris." And I was just—I thought I don't get that question in America. The focus is totally somewhere else. And I and I the thought that haunts me that haunts me as I've studied Jonah and just was reiterated in, in this trip is I do not understand why God loves me at all. 
never mind the fact that I don't understand why He loves me as much as He loves me. If He loved me at all, that would be enough. But the Bible says that He loves me and He loves you recklessly. Recklessly. And that was the profound impact. I have no answer for why God loves us the way He loves us. It's not deserved. And the pain, the pain as I study this book and I look at this, the pain that struck me is how many people I have turned my back on and not shared Christ with. How many people I have refused grace to. How many people in my life I've refused mercy to. How many people in my life I have, I have failed to shower the grace of God on the same grace that He showered on me. That's Jonah. That's me. When I read this book, I'm serious. I, I feel like I'm reading a biography on myself. It's painful. We, we served alongside this man named Sasa all week. I mean, he lives on the edge of the river in this little place he's cleared out all by himself in a house. It's, it, would be, it would be too much to call it a house. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He gets in a little honed-out canoe with a little motor on and just travels up and down the river preaching the gospel, ministering to these people to the point where... I mean, he hunts down jaguars who are haunting the village, who are, who are tr- attacking, the, he hunts, hunts them down just to serve them. I, I've, never, I, I've never in my life, I feel like it was by God's grace, he showed me a picture of what a real pastor ought to be. Not, not what America has made us out to be, not what we, we think we ought to be, but really what a pastor ought to be, and that's just love the people, Chris. Every village we went into, this man just loved the people. He did whatever it took to love the people. And, and, and I feel like God in His grace just showed me a picture of what real ministry, what real pastoring ought to be about. And it's just love the people. Love the people. Teach them the Word. Everywhere we went, He was all about teach them the Word, teach them the Word. And, and the more I look at Jonah, I, I was just haunted and confronted with the fact that I run to other things of this world and then I don't have time to do the things that God wants me to do. I spend my resources on the things of the world and then I don't have any money to do the things that God wants me to do. I spend all my affections and all my emotions on the things of this world and then I fail to have to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice because I'm emotioned out. I care more about whether the heat or whether... I mean, I'm, I'm, we're driving down the Amazon the first two days. It's a long trip. The, thing, the, the sad thought that confounded my mind for those day and a half was who won the British Open? Okay, I'm a big golfer. Tigers, Tigers in there. It was a good competition. I get on a boat in the middle of the British Open and I don't know who won the British Open. All of Saturday, all of Sunday, my thoughts were, we're riding on a boat up and down the Amazon, and my thoughts were, who won the British Open? Now, thankfully, Sunday night somebody told me, so I didn't have to go on with the rest of the week wondering about it. But, but that's, that's Jonah. Caring about the things he ought not to be caring about. The Word matters. And, and the reality is this. I, I don't understand... 
what, what gets me more than anything is that God loves me even in the midst of my sin. And, and not just loves me, He's crazy about me. That's hard for me to imagine. That's hard for me to grasp. That He loves me in spite of who I truly am. Not what you think I am, what He knows me to be. And, and that God loves people that you don't think He could love. God loves people that you don't think He could love. And that's what we see in this book. That's what the heart of God revealed, that He loves people even beyond your little boundaries on what you think God could love or who you think God could love. And God's Word, He's saying, Jonah, my Word will never ask you to do anything that I did not first do for you. Love your enemies? Check. I did that. Love those who persecute you? God did that. Love the hard to love? God did that. Love sinners? God did that. Be hospitable to even the ones that are difficult? God did that. Give up yourself for another? God did that. Nothing that He calls us to do, He did not first do for us. That's the kind of King we serve. And we see all of that in the Word of God. Revealed in the Word of God, the Christian, our lives are showing others what Christ has shown in us. It is passing on the character that God has put in us to others. Philippians 2.12, it is working out what has been worked out in us. And it all came from the Word of the Lord. And one day, I, I, as I was studying 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 4 says, one day we are going to give a testi- a, an account for how we have stewarded the mysteries of God's grace. Every single one of us in here are going to give an account. Jonah's going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. And all of you are going to give an account. What did you do with the mercy and the mystery of the gospel that God gave you? 1 Corinthians 4.1, just to read it so you don't, in case you don't believe what I'm telling you. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. And he goes on to say, I will, I, I'll stand before the Lord and give an account for my faithfulness. And the question that I have for us, God has been so good to us. How have you responded to God's goodness? How have you responded to His love? Because success, success for us as a believer is not measured the way that the world measures it. Success is in faithfulness, not results. Success is in faithfulness. We are rewarded for faithfulness. Be faithful. Don't be like Jonah. Respond faithfully. And the great news is, the great news is, Just like all of us who might be like Jonah, we don't have to be perfect. That's the good news. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You don't have to be perfect to be forgiven by God. If you're not okay, if you come in here today and you're not okay, and by the way, that's all of us, the good news of the gospel is it will not leave you in that position. God will take you and He will change you. And the reality is, if you come in here not perfect, that's the reason God sent His Son, because none of us are. If you come in here broken, God says, that's okay. 
there's hope. There's hope in the gospel. And I hope what we see in Jonah is that the gospel is full of grace, that in the spite of our struggles, God is still faithful. In spite of our struggles, He's still gracious. And He continues to use Jonah and continues to teach him and continues to bring him back. The Word of God has come to Jonah and to us. Will we be like God or will we be like Jonah? That's the question. Whose heart do you have, Jonah's or God's?